Welcome to the Deep Tech Show. In this podcast, your host, Edmar Ferreira, will be joined by expert guests as they dive into the world of deep tech. We are telling the stories of the heroes who are taking real risks to give us a future of flying cars, virtual reality, robots, and space exploration. Enjoy the show. Today's guest is Adrian Ferrero, CEO and co-founder of Biome Makers. Adrian is a self-described entrepreneur on a mission to improve the world. And prior to Biome Makers, Adrian founded three startups and worked as an innovation consultant for more than nine years. Welcome to the Deep Tech Show. Today we are here with Adrian from Biome Makers, a really interesting startup. Take us to the future, Adrian. How the future looks like when Biome Makers is really successful. It's a pleasure to be here today. The future will look very bright, no, if we are successful, because we are going to help the whole agriculture to become more sustainable, to increase the profitability of the farm operations. And at the end of the day, be sure that we will have agriculture for long term. And the, the way we are going to achieve that is by connecting the ecological systems, the nature to the digital systems. Okay. How are you guys plan to do that? Like connecting those two separated worlds of biology and data? Yeah, it looks like a challenge, but we started to face this challenge so many years ago, actually seven years ago, when we decided to start biomakers with the idea to utilize one of the most interesting bioindicators in nature, which is the community of microbes populating the soil to improve the decisions that we make in the farms. Because we realized that most of the farmers and agronomists didn't have this variable in mind. There was no way to really understand, well, identify and understand how the biology of the field was impacting them. We were assuming that Biological processes were happening because it's been happening since ever, but having the possibility to really drive those processes, uh, control those processes and use those processes to benefit the operation, that was the main idea. And the community of microbes is an amazing bioindicator because it's sensible to everything that is happening in the field. So if we learn to speak to the microbes, then we can really understand what is happening in the field or even what has happened in the field. And also those microbes play a crucial role in all the processes related to plant growth. So if we also learn to speak with the microbes, then we can even grow healthier and bigger foods and better crops. So that was the idea, and this is how we are we are helping the whole agriculture by understanding this bioindicator, by connecting this bioindicator to the digital world. No, oh, this is interesting. So you guys go there, like figuratively take the soil and then sample the soil to see what microorganisms are living there. And then based on the ones that are living there, you kind of know it's healthy or not, if the soil is, or is there's a problem, something around these lines? 
That's absolutely right. And this is a tech show, so I can really go deeper in the science yeah. and the technology that we use to really extract the whole value of this bioindicator. Because initially, of course, we need to sample, literally, to collect representation of the community of microbes populating the soil. So for that, we do a soil sample. We receive those samples in one of our labs or partner labs that we have all across the world. And what is going to happen there is that we use uh, genetics, advanced genetics, DNA sequencing to profile the whole spectrum of microbes. All the fungal and all the bacterial species that are in those samples are going to be identified because of the DNA or by looking at their DNA. And this is the first technology that we use. But this is not enough because at the end of the day, what we will get is a, a really long list of microbes, some of them with names, others without even a name. No, But today, thanks to another technology, which is called bioinformatics, we're able to go a little bit beyond. And when we connect this bioinformatics with advanced computing, and then we go into the deep tech, deep learning, then we can do an expectation of the functional potential of this community, meaning all the pathways that these microbes can deliver. And this is amazing because then it's not about the microbes that are in the soil. It's about how they are mobilizing the nutrients towards the plant, stressing the plant in certain direction, generating hormones for the plants, or even creating risk on certain diseases, which is another element that is going to impact the productivity of agriculture. And then once you have this potential of the different functions that can be delivered in the field, then we are and this is the magic thing, we are adding the ecological perspective of this community. We are able to look at the structure of the community of microbes, understand the relationships, the kind of relationships that they have, and we do it by measuring the properties of the network. So people who is aware of computing science, data science, they know what is measuring network properties. Then we can also incorporate the ecological relationship to this analysis. And at the end of the day, what we are going to deliver is this functional insights on what is happening in the, in the soil. And based on those, agronomists can really optimize the farm operations, decrease the amount of agrochemicals that they are using, and uh, enabling or uh, boosting certain pathways, certain biological activities in the soil that are going to benefit the plant growth. So. One thing, like adding like bacteria in microbes communities, like let's say human gut, like each human has its own like bacterial community. Like actually, it's a thing that a lot of people don't know. But if you sample the bacteria in your gut, in your stomach, it's like unique. It's like a fingerprint. No other human has exactly the same community of bacteria living in you. It's actually, it's more precise, would be more precise than a fingerprint to identify you. Those communities are so unique, let's say. It would not be the same like for soil, like each place would have their own specific community. How do you know, like, how could you get like insights if they are different or if they are similar, like how can you get insights? Because there's so many and so different, like what, how could you get like, actionable insights from it? Yeah, we receive that question so often, but the answer is so simple. It's true that when you look at those microbes from the taxonomic point of view, so who are the players who are there, they are completely different from place to place, from crop to crop. 
But when you look at functional level and you will agree that the way your body feed or the microbes feed your body probably is the same that my microbes feed the body. So the functions that those microbes create in your body are the same. So when we compare uh, functions, then we can compare different um, fields, different uh, ecosystems, different locations, and then the, the advice, the insights are also useful. Uh, that was a good one, right? So many times I received the same questions. Yeah. Give me a little bit of examples of results that, that you guys have seen with people using your tech or like you guys are like more in the United States or what, where are you working on right now? Yeah, we are a U.S. company. Our headquarters is in California, uh, close to Sacramento, in West Sacramento. We have operation in over 45 countries at this point. We also have a subsidiary in Europe and partner labs in Latin America and other countries in, uh, in different countries in, in Europe. And right now we're negotiating also in Australia and in Africa. So yeah, we have really good uh, presence all across the world. Anybody can use us. Yeah. So a specific example, for instance, let's talk about a crop that is very frequent in California. That is binger. And this is a real case that we have a couple of years ago. There was this uh, one grower and he was uh, having some issues with the fruit, with the grapes, but he was telling us that their binger looks great. Everything was green, the leaves, everything was amazing. So what happened uh, when we did our big crop test is that we saw that the phosphorus was blocked. The pathway of the phosphorus was blocked, meaning that the soil had phosphorus, but the plant was not receiving it because the microbes were competing with that and were blocking the pathway. And the, as a result of that, means that plant was receiving a lot of nitrogen. So the plant was growing, but the quality of the fruit was not really good. The solution, biological amendment to unblock. In this case, the prescription was humid acids and there was an unblock of this pathway. And this next season, the problem was fully solved. These kind of cases were not possible to make a proper diagnosis before. So you could have the guess, but now you have the data. And that's the main difference. And this is just one example. If you want, there are other crops, similar examples. And how, let's say, like, like the especially the agronomes that with the farms and do the soil analysis and all this thing. I imagine that they are used to do more like chemical analysis than this type of biome type of analysis. Like, how do you guys train them and how it's... Because in order for this to be effective, like the people who are doing the, let's say, the agricultural engineers that sample the soil and do all the advising, they need to understand what you guys do and understand your tools and your data in order to make decisions, right? To make something like how it works. Yeah. So whenever you create a new market or bring a new solution into the world, you are facing one of the most difficult barriers that is knowledge. So people don't know how to use this. And this dimension is, is not taught in, in the universities, in college. Most of the agronomic engineers, they know how to handle fertility plants based on agrochemicals, NPKs, diseases, this kind of uh, crop protection inputs, but uh, they don't have very good understanding on the biological management of the field and in this case of the soil. 
So lowering that barrier, that was critical. Two years ago, we started a program called BCA that is Biological Certified Advisors or also stands for Microb Advisors. And we were sharing everything we've learned so far with agronomists across the world. Okay, so that was the way to help them to first learn about this new dimension and second, use the new tools that we are uh, offering to the whole community. So training, uh, knowledge sharing, it's especially important. And this is not just a single effort coming from a company as biomakers. It's something that we have to do all together if we want to really move ahead with a better way of farming. Because yeah. today we hear a lot about regenerative agriculture and there are certain techniques that are assumed that are good, but they, they might not be the best for your farm, for your field. For that, you need to have real data and people is used to manage data. I, I imagine that at some point, you guys will need to have like some partnership with like universities and the whole like pipeline of training. Because at some point, I imagine that like the new agricultural engineers that are on training would have a discipline on this type of management at some point. This is most likely to happen. Like college are low, but at some point they're going to need to catch up and have like a discipline of doing that because it's going to be, it's going to be important considering the amount of data you can extract from and the precision that you can have by just looking at the microbes there. So on the sustainability side, like you guys have a lot of, of work on that side, like how using your product and this technology makes agriculture more sustainable? Uh, first, uh, as you mentioned, uh, collaboration is crucial. And if we want to generate trust, it's essential that we build partnerships and we work with the whole academia. They are also amazing on validating you know, and giving feedback on the technology. And this is how we create also trust by exposuring ourselves, exposuring the technology to third party assessment. And uh, at the end of the day, if everybody agrees that uh, this dimension is needed and the approach that we're having is the right one and is useful, that's how you are able to grow your market. And the way we really support the sustainability of in agriculture is so straight. So in the moment you start using the biological processes on your benefit, instead of just assuming that there is something happening, no, we've historically, we've been very bad with the soil. I mean, soil is so beneficial for us. We're living because of the soil. It said that 95% of the food comes directly or indirectly from the soil. And we really punish a lot the soil. And this is a reality. But in the moment you start understanding that soil is alive, soil is really there to help, to support us. And then you start working with the soil in a way that you sustain, you maintain, and you boost, you promote the life of the soil. For sure, there is a really positive side effects. Let me just give you an example. Traditional farming, the one, the way we've been farming in the last, let's say, 50 years have been mainly emitting carbon to the atmosphere. But previously, pre before using such an amount of equipment and uh, certain inputs and so on, our in uh, agriculture was really beneficial, very climate friendly. 
So now we need to come back. But is it possible to come back to more climate-friendly agriculture now that we have reached a really high rate of uh, yield in the fields? Yeah, it's possible because now we need to evolve and to merge both models. The one that are turning from a carbon-emitted agriculture into a carbon-sequestering agriculture, this is going to be sustainable. And if we encourage the biological processes in the soil, instead of resetting those processes every season, that's going to be very beneficial for, for the climate, for the planet. And this will allow us to keep such a great rate of productivity in the field that for sure we need. And we've seen that for some clients, we've seen reduction of 40% of chemical inputs and still see something like 8 to 10% yield increase in situations that were really bad. But usually 1-2% yield increase is really great for the operation, especially if you decrease the cost of operations. Yeah. And you guys just raised a while ago a Series B. And tell us a little bit more about that. What are the challenges that Deep Tech faces when raising capital? What are your secret tips for us? Wow, it's been a journey. I, you can imagine, and I know you've been an entrepreneur yourself, and I'm pretty sure everybody who has gone through this knows what I'm going to talk about. Because uh, especially when you have this kind of bets, no, you have the idea of using genetics combined to with advanced computing to improve agriculture, and yeah, it's such a not everybody buys it. So you need people around you, not just on the team, but also investors, partners, collaborators that really see the potential of your ideas, see the potential of the team that you can create. And it's challenging for sure because there is no market, there is no real proof of concept. So that was the first challenge to demonstrate that at technological level, we could deliver what we were supposed or we were saying that we were able to deliver. We found a really nice partner, which was Illumina, the largest genetic company in the world. And we were uh, accepted in their corporate accelerator program. And, and that was in 2015. And that was the way we were able to achieve the technical proof of concept. After that, we have to demonstrate the market proof of concept, no? That there is a market there and there is people willing to pay for this. And after that, that was just when the seed round happened. And actually, we were quite successful. We focused in one specific drug, which was vineyards. We were optimizing results, the volume, understanding, no? Uh, from the whole, and one of the problems is that you have many options and you have to define which one is going to be valuable for you and for your market. So interacting with the clients was really useful. But that took us to the Series A. We really have good traction and it was not easy even having good traction and the technical validation to get the Series A. But we did it and this is perseverance, optimism, no? the hard work. Uh, but the good thing is that once we have the resources to go beyond the proof of concept at the market level, we started to create real traction. And last year we closed the Series B and that was 15 US dollars, a million, 15 million US dollars. And I have to say that it was not as difficult as the Series A because uh, we did our homework 
And hopefully next time we have to go to the market for resources, for financial resources. It's going to happen in the same way because we see that the team is in place, market is reacting, the value of the technology is more mature, the value proposition, we don't pitch the technology anymore, we talk more about the value. There's a lot of learnings. So yeah, perseverance is, is key. You said a little bit about traction, like how did you guys, going back to the Series A phase after the acceleration process, like how did you show progress, like in traction? MVP. So have something that can be marketable, identified a niche that is as innovative as you are, because they will be happy to support. Surround yourself with amazing partners, collaborators. There are many people. We've found so many people, so many nice people and organizations that have helped us to get where we are. And they are key to, to make the initial traction as well. They introduce you to companies that they know they are interested in testing and supporting innovation. And this is how you get the, the early traction. But moving from the early traction or the more innovators, no, uh, to market itself. Yeah. yeah. That was challenging, but it's possible. And it's just a matter of time, perseverance, good marketing. That's important also. And being humble as well and because you have to listen to the feedback all the time and improve your product continuously like, interacting with the product like regarding like this feedback and this initial traction that that you need to have like i imagine that for all of tech people when they think tech or they think startups they don't think agriculture it's not a thing that they think about quite often like or a thing that people tend to relate in their minds with technology, how it is like to be an entrepreneur in this field? Like how open are people to try new things? Like the customers, let's say on the other side, like how, how did you find like early adopters that basically it's what you need uh, in the case, like a new thing, like you are doing, like how do you find those who are willing to test new things? They are really conservative in this industry. They are not, they are like always looking for you think how it's the spirit of this. this it's easier than you might think. We always say that being in agriculture right now, innovating in agriculture is amazing. And it's the best moment to do that. When you talk about deep tech, at the end is how we use technology to really make this world better from different, in different areas. Perhaps agriculture doesn't seem a most cool, no, the coolest one. But this is a teamwork. If there is many people already developing digital tools to improve our lifestyle, to connect people, banking, other areas, somebody has to really care about this specific field. And uh, I have to say that uh, agriculture is quite innovative and everybody's really open. Most of the people think uh, about a farmer, like uh, the old fashioned traditional it's true that agriculture is the oldest industry that uh, we humans have been doing, but it doesn't mean that it's not moving ahead and advancing. So you see the amount of solutions. Many of them, they probably is not the right moment for them. They are not a clear fit or they are not pure innovation because they don't create value or a, a cumulative value. But I, I would say that it's not very difficult to find innovators in agriculture for us, at least, has been very easy. It's true that 
five years ago, for instance, that was not so common. And that's the reason because the Alberto Acedo, my co-founder and myself, uh, were originally from Spain and we decided to move to the States because we realized that it was the, the ecosystem in Europe was not ready for this. But right now we are growing very quick in, and we see that this is happening. So yeah, we need to forget, let's say, the topics no, on yeah. or the tradition on how the farmer looks like because now a farmer is using a mobile phone, is consuming a huge amount of data and they do qualified decisions. And for instance, when we see what are the most, the, the, the great innovations that are happening in the field, most of them are related to biotech. And it's not about just plant genetics or seeds. It's about inputs, biological inputs. We see a revolution that is happening. There are many input manufacturers that are now looking at biological prebiotics and probiotics for the field because they understand that this is how the future is going to look like. Can you see a future where we would be managing crops and managing the soil just with biology and with like far less chemical, let's say chemical defensibles and things like that? Could it be possible for us to try to just manage the soil using biology or there's some things that would not be possible with just the biology part? Everything can be possible, but you mentioned before the gut microbiome. So imagine that agriculture is a, is like a body, no? Uh, at the end of the day, we are growing plants that are going to produce food that we are going to eat and then the cycle. Think about yourself. Actually, you eat food that is, well, could be better or worse. That's depending on the taste, no? But uh, I will say biological food, no? Eggs, plants, meat. But from time to time, you get sick. There is certain imbalance. Uh, the weather changes, you get cold, and then you have an aspirin. Or even if there is something weird happening in your body, really extreme, like a cancer, then you go to a chemotherapy, which is very extreme, right? So depending on the situation, depending on the momentum that you are facing, you might need certain solutions or others. What is important is that if you have headache, you take an aspirin. You don't go to a, into a chemotherapy, right? So this is what we need to really adjust. If you need a supplement and have some vitamins, that's okay. That's fair because you are stressed, because your daily work, because you work in the field and you do a lot of exercise, you might need some complement. So this is pretty much the same, but we need to really improve and learn how to do this in, a, in the right way. So there is no good or bad. There is a right solution for the right situation. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, how did you get the idea for this company? Like, like the seed of it that when it started, like where the idea came from? Many years ago. <laughs> no, not so many, but some years ago. Now it's it's been a, also a, a journey. The first company that Alberto and me founded was a genetic diagnostic center, specialist in DNA sequencing, the same technology we are using right now to profile the microbes. We were focused in human diseases. I was talking about cancer, so hereditary cancer. That was the main problem. We were helping doctors to diagnose, type, no, uh, to make decisions on how to treat certain patients, depending on the mutations they were having. That was in 2010. And we realized that company was growing, was really successful. Uh, but, you know, the growth rate was not the one we wanted. So we sold that company because we come from an agricultural area. 
in the northwest of Spain were, uh, well, mainly sugar beets and corn. And we realized about the pro we knew about the problems that farmers were facing, especially when uh, the applications, the inputs, no? And they really were a good friend of mine uh, saying that the farmers are the richest, poorest in the world because they manage a lot of money, but at the end of the day, they don't get too much money in the pocket. And this is because they are spending in equipment, in inputs, in so many uh, expenses. And the crop, they sell it and then they get some little return. And this is because they were not making very efficient or with data that can improve their economics. So that was like the trigger. And we realized that perhaps they don't know what is happening in the soil. They don't know how to manage the soil, how to benefit from the biological processes in the soil. And then we started to talk to certain people and realized that nobody knew anything about the microbes in the soil. Nothing. I mean, they didn't have yeah. this kind of information. And then we just started to figure out how to bring the customized medicine or personalized medicine into the agriculture world. So personalized yes, what, what, agriculture. What year was that? What year was that? The biomaker's idea started thinking about that in 2014. May 2015, we started the accelerator program in San Francisco with Illumina. Oh, this is so cool. So, so seven years ago. So your background is not in agriculture. It is like in... No, no. <laughs> this is interesting. This is really interesting. So do you, like, do you guys had any like doubts about like jumping to this new area where like... You, what's your background? Like you studied like biology or? Actually, we have no doubt that there was an, a real opportunity here yeah. that we can make an impact and give meaning to our lives through developing a company and being very successful as a startup, as a company. Yeah. So no question about that. Actually, we are not, neither Alberto or me are farmers ourselves. But our grandparents were, and oh, our grand-grandparents were. So it happens that our parents were not, and we I'm an economist. I'm bachelor in economic science and master in environmental technology. Alberto is PhD in molecular biology and genetics. So yeah, those are the specializations. And those are complementary skills. So the scientific world together with the business world. No, that they have made biomakers very successful. This is so interesting. Like they have, I have seen so many cases of people that are like outsiders from an industry and then they actually can go there and make something different and successful. Let's say like maybe the fact that you guys are from outside the industry is actually an asset and because you can like think from zero without all the background. And think anew about how things could go. I have seen a lot of cases like that, like what people from outside of the industry enter an industry with a different view, a different idea, and then they can be quite successful in like it's your case. Really interesting. But when you guys went after people in the industry, let's didn't you get any pushback? Let's say like what do you guys know about like agriculture, like an economist and a biologist, like Coming here telling well, us how to do, how to do agriculture and things like that. Like, did any, did you, did you have like any pushback like that? So interesting to see that the, when you go into a field with the desire, with the willingness to help, to bring something that might be valuable for them, even if they still don't know, or even if you don't have very good idea on how 
this is going to help or be valuable. No, you have your idea, but you know, at the end of the day, it's going to evolve and find the right fit. Everybody is really open mind. We were lucky also to start in vineyards because we, we know a lot about wine making, wine grower, grow. And that was really the entry point. In 2018, so four years ago, four years ago already, my gosh, when we started to expand to other crops, then we saw certain limitations. But at the end of the day, the singularities, the specificities of each crop are really easy to, to learn because there are so many scientific publications and everything we do is based in science. Uh, this is important because otherwise, if you don't bring excellence into the technology that you bring into the market, it's not going to work. So. We have integrated or processed over 2,000 scientific publications that are coded, kind of coded in our database basis, especially for diseases, to learn from different crops. And it's been great to do that exercise because at the end we are crowding the knowledge, we're generating knowledge and then learning from there, which is even more interesting. So yeah, we didn't have that feeling. And I imagine that once you have like the tech and the proof of concept, the data itself and the product itself speaks for itself, right? If yes. it's useful, it doesn't matter who it's making. It's like the data is there and it's, it works. The important thing is it works. Once, once you can show that it works, then a lot of doors are open because it works. Simple like that. It exactly. Works. And the cases are always the same. I mean, once you yeah. understand the pattern, this is about deep tech also, not patterns. Once you understand the patterns, there are not more than 12 patterns in every grower. They have the same problems, the same questions, and you have to answer those questions. Yeah, we are here into the end of here. So I have some questions, some final questions. Do you have any advice for someone starting a deep tech company? What in biology and, and, and what would be your advice someone starting in this field? Well, I would say market proof. This is important because if somebody decides to start this kind of company, it's because they already have very good knowledge on technical, they, they are skilled on, on technology and probably they need to reinforce and to prove that there is a market. And for that, uh, focusing on a niche, having validation, listening to the feedback is essential. MVP, so having something to sell, this is uh, crucial as well. And you don't need something that is finalized. You need something that works and can be tested to see if the value that you're thinking that you can deliver works. And then be surrounded by people who is happy to help. And there are plenty of people. Be humble to accept help. Uh, people is happy to make connections without uh, asking for anything in return. And once they are successful, be sure that you have to give back as well. So this is the way we can grow and keep the wheel rolling. And do you have any books, recommendations for us? Wow. I mean, this is many, no? I really like the, um, what is the lock, uh, lock in the eyes? It's the story of the North Pole, no, so South Pole conquer, talking about endurance, the Shackleton boat. That was, that's something I really love because it talks a lot about teamwork, how to settle a team. Actually, it can be applied for all there, there were three expeditions, the Norwegian, the British, and the two British, right? Scott, Shackleton, and Hamudsen. And each one of them have a different startup style. And one 
one of them was not successful, but they were able to survive because the team setup was perfect. The other one was like a huge investment, but they were really slow. They were not able to succeed. And the one succeeding was the one with a low weight and doing really big sacrifices. So willing to focus on the goal, on the target. So that would be the one I would recommend. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, interesting. In a really extreme situation to see like leadership and team building working, right? In a really extreme situation where, yeah, pretty cool. And my last question for you, if you were able to send one message, just one message to everybody on earth, what it would be? Let's work together and be optimists about the future. That will be my message. Responsible is important, but working together, we can make anything we face, any challenge that we face. Nice optimist message to end. Thank you so much, yeah, and Adrian. I'm was... not saying anything related to biomakers, but I think that's the right one. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was really great interview. Thank you so much. I hope in a couple of years we can talk again about how you guys are changing the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Deep Tech Show. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Deep Tech Daily to keep updated on what's next.